Hello, and welcome to another episode of Gaming Couch, where we sit back and talk about video games, board games, card games, and the like. So pull up a chair, put your feet up, let's have a good time. Hello, everyone. Mm. Sorry, sounds like there's something stuck. If it sounds like there's something stuck in my throat, I don't know. I'm drinking water, had some food. I don't know, it just feels like something's stuck in there. <coughs> you see? All right, I think I got it away. Hi. So, yeah, just, uh, I don't know, updates, fun little things to talk about before we get on into the, the meats and potatoes of today's. Uh, first, I don't know what it is about buying new dice, but there's something so satisfying about buying dice and getting in the mail and just looking at them. I got a really nice set of metal dice I recently picked up from Skull Splitter, and, and straight up, I, I didn't need them, just... I like buying them. And now I have a dice set for one of my D&D characters I don't play too often. But it is his dice set. And I'll only use them and I'll dice with him. Because, you know, screw it. Character immersion. <laughs> also, after last week, we talked about all the DLC and everything. And I got a really awesome tweet from WT Famicon. It's talking about the infamous horse armor from Oblivion. And how ever since then, you know, DLC, it's the best idea ever. And I gotta say, it, I for, honestly forgot about that kind of DLC when we were talking about it. Like, that silly, pay us $5 for a cosmetic skin, but in a single-player game. You know, I brought up, like, cosmetics and multiplayer, and that's one thing. But seriously, I'm going to fork over 5 bucks to buy a shiny horse armor for myself. And the thing is, it actually worked. I, I don't understand. It's kind of like with Train Simulator, where there's legit, like thousands like tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars of dlc out for train simulator I, I love it so much like that kind of stuff is so absurd it's just funny but uh i'm glad actually we had a chance to bring that up so thank you wt for that tweet just a shout out to you because we're actually going to revisit the uh the game talked about then which was phoenix point because it came out and According to my Epic Games account, I have spent a solid 14 hours playing it. And I feel at this point, well, it's time to talk about it. Because, as I mentioned before, last week, this game had been on the internet for quite a while. Like, it showed up, they made a big deal about it, because XCOM was very popular. And like, hey, we're bringing back a game that's kind of like XCOM, check it out. And then it hid for a long time, and then... I don't know where I get an email at the release date. Like I said, it just kind of, it peaked, I felt it peaked, then kind of dropped off for a bit, and then peaked again as it was about to release. So a very intriguing game because there was very little to know about it. Now, this is going to sound kind of like the Pokemon Sword and Shield episode with nitpicking because I feel nowadays a lot of like big title AAA games Honestly, the bad stuff is nitpicking, which is sad to say, and details to come on that. So, the first thing to say on the positive is combat really shines. Like, every, until maybe like the last one or two backer builds, it only showed combat. Like, you just, you played the combat to make sure the combat was kind of smoothed out. And it shows, like, the combat is honestly best part of the game I'd say because XCOM was fun XCOM I think had really good tactics it 
it showed what a good tactical game could be. The percent chance was just the annoyance because you need to have some sort of randomness. You couldn't just automatically always make things hit or miss. That would have kind of like peeled back some of the layers. So that combined with the fact now that you can actually shoot limbs and destroy weapons and stuff like that, I went through one mission. And I know it's right away. I've been restarting. I'm not. I'm going to admit that my first playthrough. I'm restarting, trying to figure things out. You know, I want to make sure I have a pretty solid time doing it. But my next playthrough, because I do want to play again, I want to do things differently. There was this one mission that had a lot of Arthurians with pinchers and shields, which I don't really worry about those kind of guys, except when they have acid spitheads. Then I got to like shoot the head to take care of that. But those guys aren't a big deal. But there was about five or six Tritons with them that had sniper rifles. And I only had four un- three units on that mission and one vehicle, so the snipers were going to be a problem. They could pluck off my soldiers rather quickly because the vehicles are cool and all, but they're very limited. So my strategy completely changed for that. I actually shot and destroyed all of the rifles the Tritons were carrying because they were heavily armored. Like I wasn't going to kill them anytime soon. So instead of letting the Tritons, you know, fire five sniper rounds a turn... I just started plucking the snipers. And once the sniper rifles were destroyed, the Tritons had nothing to do. They didn't have any weapons. And they didn't, their arms they had weren't damaging. So suddenly, the mission became a lot easier. It turned into a little bit of a drag because I had to then send my guy around to clean up the mess, obviously. But yeah, those tactics show. You're able to handle the missions differently because the enemies are different, because you can target their limbs, because you can target their weapons, and because it's not just a straight percent chance there is still the double circle where the inner circle is 50 percent of the bullets hit here the outer circle is 50 percent of the bullets hit out here that still exists all right that that still all exists and it's great for shooting it's terrible though with grenades if you're using a grenade launcher and you're launching it over a long distance it doesn't show you easily that 50 percent drag like it shows the blast radius but i've had it where i'd fire a grenade and it would land a good solid like five tiles out from my target because wind drag and everything but it doesn't really show that so they didn't really implement it well for launching and lobbing grenades uh, but the gunplay's great okay so let's get into big details all right the overall game itself and i'm going to start with the nitpicking here all right we start off with pretty big solid like the, the gunplay the combat's great the nitpicking and it's it's legit nitpicking okay the big nitpick was i had a crash at one point there's something about these xcom games or anyone who's ever played xcom 1 or xcom 2 for some reason bugs are a trademark of theirs there's always bugs in those xcom games even when war of the chosen came out there were still some bugs like i don't know if it was my graphic settings or what but some of the dialogue from the chosen was off when they'd show up into combat the they would their, their mouths would move like they're saying something, but there'd be nothing until a couple seconds later when then they would actually talk. So there's that delay, and then there was the occasional crash here or there. So I'm playing a mission, a rather difficult Defend the Haven mission, and then the game just crashed. Luckily, it has autosaves. It's consistent enough with the autosaves that it all saved before I started the mission, so I was able to just get back into the mission and start it over. So that just kind of sucked, like... We're, we're almost in 2020, guys, and I'm going to be that guy and just mention, yeah, when I've played indie games, 
unless the indie game is in early access, obviously, if I ever played like a fully fledged, fully released indie game, I don't run into crashes. Like these guys at Snapshot Games, you were delaying, the, you kept delaying the game. That's like the big thing is they delayed the game, which was fine because combat is shining. It they delayed the game to flush out their combat system and it shines, but you pushed it back and the game crashed. And I have no idea why a Triton jumped through a window to get into a building. It landed on the floor and the game just crashed. Like that's going to happen all the time. Enemies jumping through windows, players jumping through windows. It's going to happen all the time. Why did the game crash? So there's that. And then another nitpick, again, you pushed the game back, which is why I'm nitpicking like this. Not all the text is finished. It straight up says it. Like, in the very beginning, my first six, five guys that you had, is it five? Yeah, my first five guys that I had, I had a sniper. And one of his unique abilities, so if you don't know, every character has two rows of abilities. They're class abilities, and the bottom row is three unique abilities that aren't tied to a class it's kind of like special traits that the character has access to that you still have to unlock with character points but it's pretty cool like you know i locked out my heavy head strongman so his perception went down but his damage with heavy weapons went up you know i actually made one of my troopers and my assault trooper into more of a shotgun guy because he had a trait that said hey melee and shotguns does more damage so there's some of that cool stuff so my sniper, at level 1, the start of the game, I was able to give him Biochemist. Every weapon he has gains viral. We'll do one viral. I'm like, okay, that's really cool. I'm not sure what that is, but it sounds good. And I figured in combat, I'll find out what it does. So I immediately click on it, I unlock it, and like he's a sniper, so one viral, it's only one viral. I hit them once, because one round sniper, so it's only one viral. It, it, hey, it's something. So I shot my first enemy. It said he got one viral damage. I'm like, awesome. So I clicked on the enemy because, as with everything else, you know, every other game, you click on the enemy to see the buffs and debuffs that it has. Well, I see the debuff icon over its character model. One viral. I'm like, let me hover over that because when you hover over things, you get a splash screen telling you what it is. I hover over it, and it says, placeholder text. And I'm like, what the fuck do you mean, placeholder text? Why is it that all the other icons that my soldiers have are flushed out, but when I hover over the viral thing, it says placeholder text. Luckily, the developers were smart enough, and you should do this for any major game, especially with a lot of combat and tactics. They have a Phoenixpedia, they call it, you know, an encyclopedia kind of thing, that tells you everything. So I looked through there to find out what viral did. And it's really important that those splash icons work, because I'm sure all of you know who play these tactic games, icons mean a lot. It can convey a lot of information really quickly to the player. And considering this game has poison damage, acid damage, fire damage, viral damage, psychic damage, shred damage, like there's so many different damage types, having those splash icons function properly is really important. So again, the icon works. All right, it has a unique icon that shows a number next to it so you know how much viral it has. Like it, that's not the problem. It's just the, the splash. Like, come on, guys. And then I'm doing research. And I got this long list of research. And on the left side, when you click on a research thing, it'll tell you the name of it, how long it'll take to research. And then in the middle, when you, after you click on it, it brings up an overview of, like, you know, lore stuff, you know, some flavor text. And then if there's any effect, it tells you the effect of completing that research. It doesn't tell you if the research will lead to something else, which is fine. Right? They, they did that in XCOM, which I think is totally fine. 
So you just know what the research is about. And then on the right side, it'll show you your list because you can queue multiple research items, which I have an incredibly long list. I'll tell you why in a little bit. And I'm going through my list, just looking everything over. And it, again, it'll have like the name of the research, the time estimation. And then there'll be like some quick splash text that has something to do with like what it is. I don't know, like something about it. It's just like a one sentence thing. I'm scrolling through my list of research and I find like in a row, three or four research options simply says needs text. The title's still there. So I know what the research option is and it still tells you the time, but that splash description on the right, it's like the quick heads up, simply says needs text. I'm like, what What do you mean it needs text? Should this be done by now? And again, that's my thing. It's It's all just nitpicking things. It's nitpicking things because the game was pushed back to flush out certain things. And again, I've said this before. If a game gets delayed, okay, to improve it, and the improvements show, like I did with combat, because I played through those backer builds, and I can tell you right now, through those backer builds, holy shit, was combat improved. Even right now at the very end, there were still some improvements that were made to it. Why did you put so much effort into combat and then just cut short everything else? And now they're, you know, they want to sell it. So they're making it like my Facebook account has ads popping up. Phoenix Point, Rise in the Ashes, Defenders. They're like, you know, they're pushing big advertisements for this. The game is not technically finished. There's like little, again, little things. And it's so aggravating because the game overall is good. All right. And I get upset over nitpicking things because if there's a game that has something bad mechanics-wise, like I've played a number of games that I just don't enjoy the mechanics. And I can say, like, this is not a good game because mechanics. I can bring up how the controls don't work for what they're trying to do. The combat system is faulty. There's too many ideas going on. Like, I can kind of focus... Excuse me. I can kind of focus on something and understand why someone then might enjoy it compared to me. Like, all that kind of stuff. But this is just nitpicking. Like, I, why? Like, wh- why are you leaving out all these little things? And the other thing is, like, that list of DLC. Apparently, I have the, f- the first one, and I have no idea what it does. I don't. I, 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 it's technically downloaded, but there's been no information on telling me how it's done. Like what? What it did to me? What did it? What did it add? Is there like extra content for me to access? I I don't know. Like what the hell? <laughs> like what, what? What? What the hell? You gotta you gotta give me something. You know? I don't know. Oh wait, it's not available. Yet. Sorry, I'm looking at my Epic's game account. It's actually not available yet. That DLC Blood and Titanium is not available yet. My apologies. I I you could tell I'm. I'm a little upset over some of these things because why? Like why, why do we have this? On the not-so-nitpicking end of the game, there is, like, an overarching thing with the story. My one concern originally was the story was going to get sidelined, sidetracked. Like, side, just put to the side, not really cared about. They're going to go off track and kind of ignore it. They didn't. There is actually a overarching story, which is nice. There's no animated cutscenes like XCOM, which is kind of a little sad. And that's that's just a personal thing. You know, the, the guys at Snapshot labeled it saying, hey, this is like XCOM. So immediately we start to compare it to XCOM. Like, 
that's just how life works. When you tell it's like something, you compare it to that. So they do something a little bit different. It's still images. So it'll be like, there'll be some dialogue, which is voice acted, which is nice. Okay, I can appreciate that. They'll have some voice acted dialogue. And it'll be almost like a slideshow kind of thing. It'll show like various images of what they're talking about. So at least you have that. There's there's some lore. There's pseudo cutscenes, we'll call them, because they're not fully fledged animated cutscenes. But there's no real character to it. Because Phoenix Point, the Phoenix Project itself in the game, focuses on this global initiative, kind of like XCOM. But unlike XCOM, Phoenix Point wasn't a thing, and then it got kind of shut down, and now with the attack of the Pandora virus, it's rising up again, hence the whole Rise of Ashes, Phoenixes, yada yada. You know, it's, it's clever. I like that. I, I give that to them. Since they do that, and since there are multiple Phoenix bases throughout the globe you're trying to activate, there's no real characters within them. Like XCOM, again, comparing it to XCOM, because they say it's like XCOM, I, I'm, I'm just going to do that, but I think the comparison's good. You had Central. You know, you had Bradford. You had Shen. You had a number of the characters, both in XCOM 1 and XCOM 2, that when you came back to home base, would do some witty banter. You know, occasionally you get some witty banter from them. You know, Tegan had a lot of fun. Like, not funny, but... It wasn't meant to be funny, but there's just things he would say. Be like, huh, that's kind of cool. Like, talking about you don't want to know where they get the meat for the burgers kind of thing. Like, it was just fun little banter that brought some life to being at base. And it, you wanted to go back to base. Like, it was nice being at base because there was people there. It was really cool. Here, they don't have that. Like, there is the Phoenix Project, the Phoenix Initiative. There are your soldiers. There are scientists and stuff like that. But since you have the multiple bases and this is all focused on the global initiative and trying to save the the Earth with these other factions. There are no real characters when it comes to Phoenix, the Phoenix Project. You're just kind of there. So there's no, like, home to look forward to. You're just flying around the globe. There are other NPCs, though. Like, there are the faction leaders. There are characters in the factions that send out messages to people. So, like, you know, they'll send a message to everyone with, like, hey, you know, New Jericho's developing this new weapon. Is this really going to help us in these trying times? You know, I hope they do not turn against other humans, et cetera, et cetera. So, like, those kind of things happen, and those sections are voice acted. It's just, again, a splash screen with the, pic- the character's face and a background image, like, tied to the faction or some event they're talking about, and there'll be the dialogue and the person will be talking. And for most of them, you have to make a choice. Like, you respond. And depending on your response, depends on how the factions feel about you, and it can change your relationships. So it's cool. Like, they have those interactions, which I enjoy. I, I do enjoy the whole faction thing. And that's another thing that kind of gets focused on a bit. All those faction relations, because that's a big part of it. They make a, a point to mention, hey, you want good tech? Go talk to the factions. They have the good tech. And it's true. Like, Disciples of Anu, those mutations are pretty cool. Like, I'm doing a Disciples of Anu run. Like, I'm focusing fully Disciples of Anu for my first playthrough. Because I like the mutations. I like the look. And, yeah, the, the viral guns are actually pretty cool. And they're all, we're starting to research into acid, which is really good for chewing away armor. My next playthrough, I want to focus on New Jericho, though. That's the thing. I, I like that relationship. I like that the factions also have a relationship with each other. Like, recently, as I'm playing through this game, Disciples of the New and New Jericho went to war. Like, they made this public announcement about going to war. And shortly after, a bunch of Havens started to get attacked. Like, I got the, the heads up saying, hey, Disciples of the New is attacking Jericho here. Jericho's attacking a new here. Like, all those pings start popping up, and I have to sit there, like, well, who am I going to help? And it's like, well, I'm already friends with the type of a new, pretty strong, so 
obviously I'm going to support them. Like, of course. So I like that. It, it does show, you know, in, the, in an apocalypse setting, a lot of movies, shows, and games focus on this, and even books focus on this, that there are some people that just don't give a shit. You know, people are going to fight each other. It's just humanity is going to dissolve into chaos, and they do a good job showing that. You know, at first, the factions just dislike each other. Like, they don't have the same morals or ideals, ideas or thoughts or whatever. They're not all lined up, so of course there's some friction, and that friction eventually grows. You know, the stress of everything, tensions rising, that kind of stuff, and then boom, there's a full-fledged war on top of the Pandora virus. Cool stuff. Pretty cool stuff. And then you're stuck there like, okay, who am I going to side with? Am I going to play Switzerland and just say neutral, but then I'm going to be hurting on the tech? Or am I going to pick a side and support someone so I have some backup? Some cool stuff. I think, though, I haven't I've yet to explore this, but I believe you can't assist in attacking a haven. Like, you can attack havens, any haven. If they have, like, food production or factories or whatever, you can attack a haven on your own. But if a haven's being attacked, like, if New Jericho's attacking Disciples of a New, I can go to Disciples of a New and protect them from New Jericho's attack. But on the flip side, if Disciples of a New is attacking New Jericho, I can't, as far as I know, go in and help Disciples of a New, which kind of sucks because, like, I'm friends with Anu, and if New Jericho's really mad at me at actually attacking me, I'm going to want to help Anu destroy them. But I can't, which is upsetting. It really is. And another, uh, this, is, this is a weird point when it comes to the faction relationships. I'm allied with Disciples of Anu, like 100%. They, we are friends to the end. And New Jericho isn't really happy about that. They really don't like me for that reason, which is understandable. They hate Anu. However, recruitment in this game goes through the factions. You have to go to a haven to recruit soldiers from that haven. That's the only way to get new troops. You can also buy vehicles from them, or you can build vehicles. So the vehicles, you have options. But in terms of getting new recruits, you got to buy them from the havens. Occasionally, if you're lucky, you'll have an explored area will turn up an event that, you, you know, you find a guy and he joins you because, fuck it, I'm all alone out here, so I might as well join the Phoenix Project. That rarely happens. But the main way is, yeah, going to the Havens and recruiting people. Jericho hates me. They don't like what I'm doing. I can go to a new Jericho Haven and hire soldiers from them and buy soldiers from them. If a new Jericho doesn't like what I'm doing, they don't like the fact that I'm following up with the disciples of a new and pushing their agenda, why are they giving me soldiers? Hell, I bought a tank from them at one point. I showed up, I'm like, hey, can I buy that, you know, that armadillo from you? And they gave me an armadillo. It's really weird that they let that happen, especially the armadillo, because later, Jericho was attacking the disciples of a new, and I used the armadillo I bought off of them to fight them. I'm like, hey, by the way, thanks to that tank. I'm now going to use it to fight you. It's just weird. Like, it, it's just kind of weird that they let that happen. Maybe if it goes to the point that I'm at war with them, that they declare war on me, they'll stop giving me troops. That would make sense, at least. It's like, hey, we're at war, but here's another tank. You know, it'd be, just, it'd be weird. It'd be really weird. Eh, again, like, that's not a, a huge deal. That's just like a weird observation with how units work. But with that also, what's really cool, the reason why I had such a long list of research, and this kind of goes into the factions, is you can reverse engineer things. 
let's say like it happened with New Jericho. I'm using them because I've been fighting them a couple times. You fight New Jericho, some of their units die, and you can actually go and loot their bodies and pick up some of their gear for you to use. Because again, gear is limited. You have to build ammo. Guns can get destroyed. So you have to replace guns. Like that kind of stuff can happen, which is nice. I like that that management. I can pick up the weapons of Jericho to use, but it's limited because I don't know how to make it. However, if I'm not allied with New Jericho, like I'm allied with a new so I can re- research all their tech and they'll let me use it, but I'm not allied with Jericho. However, if I get enough of their tech, I can then reverse engineer it. Like if I have two pieces of armor or one of their weapons, something like that, I can spend some time and figure out how they built it, and then I can build it for myself. Now, it's great because you can expand the kind of equipment you have simply by finding it. Or what I did was hired two of their engineers and then took off all the equipment the engineer had and reverse engineered it to build it myself so I could, like, make more of it. This is great because it can allow you to expand the kind of weapons you have, but it does suck at the same time. Something like the engineers, their equipment is specialized. Only engineers are proficient in it. And if you're not proficient in the weapon, there's a chance that you just will fumble and fail to use it and waste your turn. So as much as I reverse engineered the engineer equipment, I only have the two engineers that I got from Jericho. I don't know how to train more engineers. To train the units to use them, you must either be allied with the person to get their tech or to steal their technology, which I haven't found a single science center anywhere on the map in any faction, so I haven't been able to steal science, like tech yet. But I like that. I do like that reverse engineering because it allowed me to actually get a heavy machine gun for one of my units. There's the Deceptor, I think it's called, which is a really awesome heavy weapon that Jericho has access to. But since I killed some of their units and I found one, I picked it up, I reverse engineered it, and now I have someone. Essentially, she's my guard. Like, I have a priest and she's the priest's guard that walks with him at all times. Just has this big-ass machine gun, which I love. It does a lot of damage. It shreds. It's amazing. So I like that. I like how tech is handled. I do. I like how the research is handled. I like how tech is handled, and I like that if you play your cards right, you can expand your tech. You can't expand your recruits as easily, but expand the tech, mm, some good stuff. Some good stuff. How about the game overall? Overall, it can be stressful. As the game went on, you have to have multiple teams. Like, I like that over XCOM. I never played veteran mode on XCOM. I played hard mode. But one thing I noticed with XCOM is if you have two teams, an A team and a B team, you essentially can get through the game. You know, the A team you send out on the, the tough missions, and if enough of them come back wounded, you swap out the B team for the next mission as they heal up. And usually the time is spread out enough that you can rotate them in and out. War of the Chosen, you needed, like, a C squad. You know, a couple guys that could do, like, uh, you know, the the, uh, the squad missions, things. Well, not the squad missions. The missions that you got from doing the intel stuff against the Chosen, that'd be like, hey, send a guy out to do this or send two guys out on this task. You know, that was it. You didn't need much in XCOM to make things work because you only had the one Sky Ranger. Being a global initiative, we only have one plane because that, that makes sense. But now with Phoenix... You are a global initiative. You have to build more planes. I mean, you don't have to, but it's really hard if you don't build more aircraft because over time, at one point, there was a haven being attacked, and immediately when the Pandorians launched an attack on one of, my ha- on one of the havens, 
which was a, a haven from the disciples of Anu. They also launched an attack on one of my bases at the same time. Now, with the, the base defense, it tells you, like, there are eight hours until the Pandorians arrive. And if no one's in the base, you're fucked. you got to get people to the base to defend it. But the problem was the place that the, uh, the haven was being attacked was pretty far away from my base. Luckily, I had two aircraft. I sent one aircraft over to the haven to protect it, and I sent the other aircraft over to the base to protect it. You need multiple aircraft. You need to constantly recruit people. If you don't, you're going to have a really hard time keeping relationships up and protecting them and protecting your base. So I think that's great. And since it's not just you have a ping on a map where a mission is, you actually have to fly to different destinations and scan the whole globe to find new things yeah having one ship over there scanning things out over there and then having the other ship over here taking care of things over here it's cool i i enjoy that i do enjoy that bit of micromanaging of like okay where is everyone who's in what ship you know what's this what's that that management of needing to know what your team's up to because yeah you're trying to go around the globe to do multiple things and i reached a point i think i have like kind of this nice comfortable part you can buy different aircraft Again, as you build relationships, you get new aircraft, and I have a Tiamat right now, which essentially is like a dirigible, and it's great because they have they have stats. The Manticore, which is a starting plane that Phoenix can make, has six units it can fit. It's pretty fast, but it's range, like how far it can fly before it needs to like land at a, a zone, is relatively short. The Tiamat, though, can house eight people, which is awesome. I can deploy a bigger squad. And right now, it's because I use research to increase its range. About half the globe is its range. Like I can go essentially from like the North Pole to the South Pole almost. It's how, oh no, from the, uh, the North Pole to the equator, roughly. That's roughly how long this range is on this ship. It's terribly slow, though. So I actually have one of my main, my main squad that can handle a lot of things is out exploring the globe. Because if they get ambushed, they'll be fine. If there's multiple scavenging sites, I can do them back-to-back-to-back to back to back without resting. Because you need to rest eventually. Your soldiers get hurt, and they stay wounded. They have to rest at base to heal. They get tired. They have to rest at base to get their stamina back. This squad is strong enough that I can do multiple missions back-to-back back before they're really exhausted or really wounded. So I have this rather slow dirigible that has a powerful squad, is taking care of the exploration. And then the manticores, which are really quick compared to it, stay back at base. Because that's where most of the havens are. If a haven comes under attack, I can just shoot over and protect them right away. I like that. I again, I like that. The things that are good in this game, it's like Sword and Shield. The things that are good are really good. Incredibly good. Like that, I keep bringing up the relations, the factions, because they flush that out. That, ha- that has a lot of impact on how things work, and that has an impact on how you play. Like Since I buddied with disciples of a new, I'm looking at mutations, and I'm looking at essentially psionic attacks. You know, the priest can buff people, mind control and debuff. And the mind control is amazing. I I actually, I do have to comment on this. I fucking love the mind control. You have will points. Allies, enemies, everyone has will points. And to do certain special abilities, it takes will points. If an ally dies, you lose will points. If you kill an enemy, you gain will points. It kind of shows that, you know, the, uh, the moral system, not, wow, not the moral system, morale. Shows morale in a way. So mind control... It's very simple how it works. The priest attempts to mind control somebody. The cost, though, the cost of the mind control is the target's will. 
if the target has 10 will points, you're going to spend 10 will points to mind control them. It's an automatic set. There's no chance, all right? If you beat their will, you mind control them. So if you have 15 will points, you spend 10 of it, you now mind control the enemy, you have five will points remaining. I think that's great. That's a great system. And then it's not a timer. It's not like you mind control them for three turns. No, 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 no. Every turn, when your turn starts, the priest or, yeah, it's just the priest because they can mind control, the priest will lose two will. And once you run out of will, you lose the mind control. You also can release them from mind control at any time. I think that's a great way to balance out mind control. And because when you level up, you can either unlock new abilities or increase your unit stats, it helps balance the priest out because my priest has like 25 or 28 will. Whenever he levels up, if there's a new ability I want, I get it. But otherwise, I dump all of his points into will. So he's, compared to everyone else, relatively slow and has low HP because his strength and his speed are low. And he doesn't have many abilities. Like most of my units are a multi-class. He's not a multi-class because I dumped everything into will because I can mind control now pretty much anything. You know, I don't have to worry about lowering their will. Like, you can use different attacks to lower their will. You can kill enemies to lower the enemy's will. Like, there are things you can do to lower their will. I don't have to. I can just get you right away because I have so much will and then hold on to you. And then as you low, you get lower and lower will, you can spend a whole turn resting to gain will back and then keep the mind control going. I love it so much. Again, the things that I love, I think are done very well the combat is relatively balanced with the different classes and what they can do so before i went on that tangent the relationships the factions giving you different ways to play is amazing i think scenario is kind of like techie stealthy like jericho is just you want big guns we got big guns you want heavy armor we got heavy armor like they're really good just military they can back anyone, like their units can just back up anyone and survive a lot of punishment, which I think is great. So depending on who you ally with will depend on your play style. If you manage to ally two people, well, you get a lot of fun stuff to play with then. The combat, relatively fun. I do like the idea of selecting different limbs or selecting certain weapons to destroy. I usually focus certain things, like if an Arthurian is there with a grenade launcher, I'm destroying that because that does a lot of damage. It's splash damage. That's going to be my focus. I like all that. I can just like the nitpicking. You know, clean up those bugs, fill in that text. Like, come on, guys, you had plenty of time. Don't tell me you have this new game for people to buy and play when it's not finished. Straight up, like, the text isn't there. You, you put a placeholder text saying you need text here. Clean that shit up. Seriously, clean it up. I guess, like, the one thing to focus on that I would want more of is the story. Honestly, it would be nice to have more cutscenes, more lore, more just something to kind of sink our teeth into. That's really it. That's the only thing I can think of in terms of improvement that can have some, you know, criticism to it is, yeah, there is a story there talking about this one guy who used to work on the Phoenix Project before he died, some research he was doing, and there were some clues he was digging up and secrets being uncovered, you know, that kind of stuff. And by following his trail, there might be a way to actually figure out how to combat the Pandora virus. Yeah, there's a story. There, there is a story. And you're trying to build that story under a time crunch. Because there's this index that 
the Pandora vice gets stronger and stronger and stronger, and when it hits 100%, humanity is lost. I'm at 26% right now. And I'm, like I said, I'm about 14 hours in. I'm at 26%. So it's... I like it. I, I like how they did an XCOM 2 also, where in the original, before they did War of the Chosen, yeah, the Avatar project was going to wrap up at some point, so hopefully you have a good squad. War of the Chosen ruined that because you're able to do missions that would take off markers from the Avatar project significantly too. Like every month I was like, let me just get rid of three ticks on the Avatar project. I can just do that. Again, War of the Chosen messed up a lot of things for XCOM 2. So I like they're taking a nudge from XCOM 2 in Phoenix Point and saying, yeah, there's a timer. Because like, yeah, there are certain things I want in the game. There are certain things I'm curious about. I'm like, let me get that, let me get that, let me get that. But I can't. I can't, I can't have it all. That ODI is going to keep going up. That miss is going to keep spreading. I'm fucked eventually. It's fun. It's stressful in a good way. Because the game is saying, yes, move towards your goal because we're not going to wait for you. All in all, all in all, yes, I like it. Yes, it's a good game, okay? Yes. There are things that could be pointed out a little bit better. There are things that could also be cleaned up. One of the other things that could be cleaned up is capturing also. like It tells you, yes, you need a containment lab. It's obviously how's the aliens you capture. You need a, a this weapon thing that stuns them. I mean, you can use a weapon, or if you, like, Cinderio's really good at paralysis tech, you just need to be able to paralyze someone. And if all units are dead and you're left with a paralyzed unit, you capture them. What they don't tell you, you need an open space on the ship, the Manticore, the Tiamat, whatever you're flying in, needs an open slot to carry the person. They don't really tell you that, which kind of sucks. So the price tag, all right? A digital copy of the game is available for as low as $30. Though, you'll have to spend 50 bucks to get access to the backer bill. Like, this was um, some older information. So, it's around 40 bucks. If you liked XCOM 2, yes. It's it's worth the 40 bucks. Essentially, you're getting XCOM for 40 You're getting XCOM with more flushed out, I think, honestly, better combat. Because missing that 5% chance or not getting that crit on the 9% chance to crit and then dying because it was bullshit. You have more control over combat, which is nice. You have more control over your units. And weapon deployment is actually a thing because some units are better with snipers than they are with assault rifles. That's not just based on class. Like, my assault guy who usually uses an assault rifle actually prefers shotguns, so I gave him a shotgun instead. Like, it, the weapons aren't limited just to classes. There's also corks in there. So you have more control over your units. You can multi-class. You have the stats. You know, there's more control over your units. There's more control over the map. There's more control over combat. There's a lot there for roughly 40 bucks. It's just the nitpicking. The, why is that bug here? Why is that text not there? If you ever played XCOM, you're looking at that. You know, that, that's where the questions lie. So look into it. All right. It's there. It's worth it, I feel. I played it 14 hours straight. Uh, when I'm done with this recording, I'm going to go back and play it. It's like Sword and Shield, all right? The game has my attention. I'm not going to complain about that. It has my attention because there's enough there that I like, and there's enough there that I want to do a second playthrough already. So check it out, all right? Epic Games, you can get it on Epic Games. I'm not sure you can get it anywhere else. So 
you gotta look into that. All right. Uh, last thing before we go. So that was like overall feelings of Phoenix Point. Mostly good. Most mostly good. All right. I actually do because why the hell not? Figure we try this out for once. I do want to do a giveaway. All right. The reason why. I got this wonderful little thing on Steam that said, hey, because you own this game, you can get this other game on a discount. Well, here's the thing. I already own the other game. So I'm not going to be needing to buy it. So I figured, why not? Why not use this for, for the good of humanity? I'm giving away a... Just because I think it's a really good game and I want someone else to enjoy it who hasn't had a chance to. Crypt of the Necrodancer. I think it's an amazing game. And... I'll happily send someone a copy of it who wants it, all right? You just got to hit me up on Twitter, and I want it to be a fun little uh, text that you tweet at me, dancing, prancing, skeletons. Dancing, prancing, skeletons. Tweet that at me, and then next week I'll just pick someone at random from all the tweets that were sent to me, and that person, yeah. Get some Crypt of the Necro Dancer action. It's a really good game. So if you want to get it, tweet at me. I'll give a, a winner next week. Okay? So next Sunday, there'll be a winner picked at random from all the people that tweeted at me. So that is that. All right? Please have fun. Please tweet at me. I do want to use this for something. I don't want this to just sit on this. So hit, hit me up. And thank you again, bleh, thank you again for listening. I always... Uh, appreciate this it's fun all right even when i'm tired i like to wake up and do this kind of stuff i like these chats i like doing these episodes so take care everyone it's december it's really cold out i enjoy it i may be sick it's a problem working in high school one person gets sick everyone gets sick it's a petri dish in there so hopefully i don't get too sick take care everyone you know stay warm don't get sick take care of yourself you know the drill Bye-bye. Hello once again. So, all right, I did the recording, right? Recorded the episode for today, but uh, I need to add something onto that. So this will be tacked on to the end of the original episode because I don't want to trash that whole thing. You know, we, we, we did it. But I finished the recording, and it's been about two, two and a half hours since I finished that recording. All right? I've been playing Phoenix Point. For those two and a half hours, I have been on the same mission. And here is why. The game hard-locked and or crashed five times. Five times. And I think the reason why is I'm using one of the units called a Mutog. Essentially, it's like, it's programmed like a vehicle, as in when it's in storage, it's under the vehicle tab, though it's actually like a living creature. So the category is whatever. But I think that's, I think that's the thing. Because, or was it six times? It crashed six times. Because during the mission, certain triggers, like when it took poison damage and became enraged, the game just locked and I had to shut it down. Before, if it jumped and landed on an explosive veil that blew up, it locked up and I had to shut it down. Then the two two or three times I was able to actually beat the mission, I, I finished the mission and it went to like, you know, back to the geoscope. Nothing. I saw the geoscope globe. That was it. Nothing else. The problem is, the last time I saved was at the start of that mission, because I really I need to go to bed. I'm like, fuck it, I'm just going to save it and, and go to bed. The autosave is also 
like the autosave went through at the end of the mission when I completed it. So the other crash. So what I'm saying is those 14 hours plus the two and a half hours that I just spent on the game has been for nothing. The game is locked. I cannot continue this playthrough. The reason why I bring this up, everything I just said about Phoenix Point in the episode, all right, that 40-minute episode, all the positives I said about Phoenix Point, I take it all back. This game could have been great. This game could have been an XCOM successor. It has not delivered on anything, though. It, these crashes are unforgivable and inexcusable for the game being delayed as it was and them taking more time to figure things out. This is inexcusable. And the worst part is the Mutog's not even that good. It's a melee-only unit that does 40 damage. And when enemies have 180 health, 40 damage is nothing. So it's a terrible unit on top of causing the game to crash. So I said before, Phoenix Point is good. It's not. This is inexcusable. I spent the money, I waited, I played through the backer builds, I got excited because I like XCOM. I like tactical games. Like, not even XCOM, just games like this that are tactical. These turn-based fighting games. I love them to death. And this is going to be the next one for me. I was excited for this. Nothing. So don't, don't buy Phoenix Point. Do not buy Phoenix Point. If down the road they somehow fix this, I will comment on that, and I'll make another episode on it. But as it stands, this game is not worth your time. It is not worth your money. There are millions of, game out, millions of games out there that are better than this. So I want to add this in at the end of the episode. Again, I know I just talked good things about, about the game in the episode that you just listened through, and I apologize for wasting your time on that, because I, I thought this game was good, but... Having to redo everything I did and making it all for nothing? No. That, that's ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. It's excusable during early access builds and during backer builds when they're trying to figure out bugs. That is fine. That I understand. That's what we signed up for. But not now. The game, it said, is officially released. You can go online and buy this game. They shouldn't be doing this. I'll see you all next week. Hopefully we'll have better... A better topic. All right. Hopefully we'll, we'll hopefully we'll have a topic that I don't have to go back on my word after just recording it. So again, thank you all for listening. Take care.